Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of So How'd You Get Here? Um, today is sort of a special episode, and uh, yeah. to tell you why, um, I'm going to pass it over to my co-host, Tony DeFrancesco. Hey guys, welcome. So I have a real good buddy in town, and he's on the show today, and you know him from Dodgeball, wrote and directed that, Central Intelligence, where the Millers, biggest movie ever on Netflix right now, Red Notice. Uh, never heard of it. Uh, no, yeah, well, you know. And uh, it's even more special because we are now in season two of So How'd You Get Here? We are now coming to you from Hollywood. We were in Burbank, now we're in Hollywood. So same setup, same look. Hopefully, uh, you know, clearly we have Ross and Thurber. So that's a bigger, bigger, bigger star now. Uh, Um, We got some star power coming in. So welcome to the show. Good buddy. (laughs) Ross, and thanks for coming in, buddy. Uh, Tony, thanks for having me, man. Good to see you. Uh, uh, Angela, how are you? <laughs> hi, hi. We're, we're, we just met, we just so met. we're still very professional yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here, and I love the new digs. Thanks, oh, man. Thanks, Appreciate man. it. Well, um, welcome to the show. I'm going to actually let Tony, since you guys uh, play football together and yeah. um, have uh, some history, I'm going to let him kind of lead the way here, and I'm going to chime in every now and then if I have a really cool question I think I want to love it. So since the show is So How'd You Get Here?, I know you more on a personal level, but I never really heard like the background of kind of how you broke into entertainment. Sure. Uh, I know you're born and raised in San Fran, but then you went to college in New York mm-hmm. and came back and went to grad school at USC. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of talk, start there. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah, born and raised uh, in the Bay Area. I was born in San Francisco in the city proper and then raised in the East Bay in a little town called Orinda, which is through the Caldecott Tunnel, uh, if you're familiar. And uh, and then uh, went to undergraduate school at Union College in Schenectady, New York. And I graduated in the 1900s uh, <laughs> and, and went uh, and then went to USC for uh, grad school a two-year master of fine arts uh, program called um, the Peter Stark producing program which is a two-year program that's focused on producing um, uh, not necessarily writing or directing okay <clears throat> and um, and uh, you know I guess for me you know I'd always uh, I'd always loved movies from you know from a very young age and and they were always really important in my family some of my earliest memories are of my my mom taking us uh to see to see movies and and she would always um when we were driving home from the theater she would ask us about you know what was your favorite scene what was your favorite moment and so i started to you know uh, think about movies as a collection of scenes and once you think about them in that way then it, it's a very short step to somebody has to write those scenes. So there's an architect right. behind them, right? So, <clears throat> you know, I still like one of my very earliest memories was, I guess, I, I it must have been, um, gosh, seven maybe, and I was in the lobby, and we, my mom had uh, taken me to see Raiders of the Lost Ark, oh. and uh, and she said, um, uh, she said, you know this movie's really exciting. And I remember there was like a buzz in the, in the lobby. People were like hustling to get their popcorn and like, you know, so rare where you have that kind of little energy. Um, but I could feel it. And my mom said, look, this movie's really exciting and you're not going to want to go to the bathroom during it. So you better go pee right now. <laughs> and my eyes were like big as saucers. And I, and I, and I, the point of the story is I went pee. Like, yeah. I, went, <laughs> and that's, I guess nice. I did. And you I did, did not miss the movie I, by yourself. I, or I, did you need help? I think I, I managed. Well, hey, that's I think, a win. You know, right at there. seven, it's not bad. That's big. So, um, yeah, so I did not urinate in my pants, uh, during, during the film, uh, is the point. But anyways, so, you know, she took us out of school when uh, when Return of the Jedi uh, came out. Like we missed school to go see it, so it always they always had a place of importance in in our family. And um, both my parents were bookhounds, uh, so they read a lot. And so I read a lot, and I could always I could always write from a pretty pretty early age. I, I don't know exactly how or why, but I always could. 
Um, and I would, you know, there were a couple times where I would write something that my sister would pass off in her, you know, high school class. You know, I'd write oh, it nice. in junior high or fifth yeah, or sixth yeah. grade, and she would, you know, pass it off as hers. Uh, so, so at any rate, <clears throat> my sister's a terrible student. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is all the point of that. Was there a barter system? Like, mm. if you write a paper for her, she doesn't tell mom and dad you snuck out? No, I wish there. I wish I was that smart. I was just sort of like, you know, kind of naive about the whole thing, and and she liked it. She's like, oh, I'll submit this for my creative writing class. I was like, okay, you know. Um, so, so there's some writing credits on IMDb that are do you? Yes, yeah, yes. Have not we, we gotta clean we'll, that okay. up. We'll yeah. clean that up later. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Um, so, so at any rate. Uh, I, I could always write from an early age. Movies are important, and um, and then I think it was really um, in undergraduate school uh, at Union when I was in. I was an English and a theater arts double major, so I learned about um, you know I read a bunch, obviously um, all the class, and I was a classics minor, so I, I you know read a lot of uh, Greek and Roman uh, tragedies, um, and you know certainly. Mr. Shakespeare, etc., um, and, and everything else, right? You know, I, I read a bunch, and um, and then I took like my first directing class at Union. Uh, 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 Patrick Stanley, um, one act, I think, and um, and I'd never directed before, but I it was it was just a, a two man show, but I instantly had opinions about <laughs> about everything, about how they should move and what they should right. do and why this works here, and uh, I remember distinctly just like from that my first rehearsal as a quote-unquote director i just uh was elated and i you know and was so excited and i and i felt like um i felt like you know i wouldn't quite say it was my quote-unquote calling but i felt like this is something i love and um and i don't know why yet but right. i want to keep learning what made you choose union my dad went there oh um, okay my dad uh, went to union college he's from vermont um and he ended up there. He went to Boston College first, and then transferred uh, to to Union. Um, and uh, it was one of the schools that I visited. Uh, I had some other options, um, but I wanted to go away from California, and I wanted a different mm -hmm. experience. And um, and and at the at the time, they were offering me. Um, they wanted me to play on their on their football team, um, and that's something I really loved. So yeah. I, I played one year of Division three uh, football, and um, I wasn't particularly good i mean i was i was a above average high school player right um uh just just above average you know uh, uh and and i was a, a, a below average division three college player um and so very quickly in that first year of college i was like oh this is not where it is not <laughs> i'm not going pro right yeah. <laughs> you know i'm not going pro uh, or anywhere near it um and and I just got interested in other stuff. So I, I, I stopped playing football after my freshman year. And, I, you know, I had a I ran for class president. I was, you know, it was in school politics. And I uh, had a radio show. And I wrote for the paper. And I... Sounds like you didn't have time to play football. Yeah. yeah at, at that point, yeah. So blah, blah, blah. I just did a lot of stuff. And, um, and, and, uh, and I took this directing class. And I, I, I wrote um, for my senior thesis... Um, I wrote and directed a short film and I knew nothing about how to do anything. And, but, but we did, and there wasn't really a film program at Union College. So I had to create a club, uh, in order to get funding. So I created a, a club called the Visual Landscape Artists. Um, and, uh, and, and basically, um, 
misappropriated those funds to, <laughs> to make my short film. As long uh, as there's some plants and shrubs yeah. in your short film, yeah. that's technically yeah. not lying. No, but right? There you go. Um, so, uh, so I, I, you know, got people to sign up for the club who weren't in the club. I got the money. I bought the cameras. We went and shot it. But I just didn't know, like, had no instruction and just kind of um, uh, wrote this little thing, cast it out of, out of people, you know, at Union. Uh, and then I went to, um, there was like a, a deck-to-deck editing machine in the local Schenectady, New York. Um, the old Moviolas? Uh, no, no. Splicing films? No, I did cut on a Moviola and a, and a, and a flatbed and a, a steam deck um, with a grease pencil and tape and the whole thing. Um, but but this was, um, no, this was like VHS tapes. Okay, gotcha. Right? Gotcha. Like you would do at a news broadcast, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like a, it was like a, 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 a the local, you know, public broadcasting, uh, you know, uh, uh place that we went yeah, right. we, we, and so I was cutting tape to tape and I you know you'd set an in point and an out point and it was it was uh, it wasn't, wasn't great um <laughs> well yeah this is what late 90s this is 90 so there's no like YouTube you're not following anything you're no, just like yeah there's nobody to teach you yeah anything, no right? yeah right we, we, like I got email my senior year and it was like matrix <laughs> email it was like green and black you know so um you're rubbing two sticks together I still you know we had to look I have a, up an old Mac Oh yeah, the 512 megabytes in that office. I'll show you. Oh, we're I want to see that. That was the first Oregon oh. Trail. That was the first game. I Is ever that right? Played on a computer. Oh man, it's the greatest. Um, so, uh, so at any rate, um, I made this short film, and uh, and you know, cast it with everybody in there. It's t- it's a terrible short film. It's called Palaver, and um, and and I remember I had to screen it for my for my grade right. <clears throat> We had an auditorium, and there was, you know, I don't know, 300 seats in the auditorium. And the school's really small. It's like 2,000 right. students, 2,200 students, really, really small. And so I, I, you know, I tell everybody, hey, I'm playing at 8 o'clock, you know, tonight, you know, come on by. I was just going to screen it for my, my professor um, and, uh, and anybody else, you know, the cast, whoever want to show up. And so I, I open the doors, and my professor's there. Ten people kind of come in. And I have this sensation that I've never felt before. Like my heart starts pounding and I'm like, oh, oh God, I've got to, I'm going to show this thing. This is like, I had no concept that I was about to like screen a movie. Yeah, and once yeah, the right. sweat hits, oh, you, you realize, yeah. oh no, what but have I, I done? It never, but it never, uh, um, it never occurred to me until I literally, people started walking in that they were going to watch this thing. <laughs> and then, and then 10 people turned into 20 people, turned into 50 people. Then it's a hundred. Then the place is full. And then more people are coming. How long is this short film? It's like, I don't know, like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. It's nothing, right? But like, I'm like dying, (laughs) like dying. And I was like, oh God, I've made a big mistake. (laughs) Like, they don't know. No, 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 no. They don't understand. Like, I just, I literally finished this an hour ago. Yeah. There's no. But also, there's no film program. So like, you probably can only get an A. No, they don't know the difference. <laughs> they don't, they're not going to give you an F like, hey, he made a movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it was, it was essentially a pass fail kind right. of situation, but um, uh, I did think I got an A actually, but, um, but, but for no apparent reason, like the movie, I promise you, is not very, very good. Um, can, we, judge can, that? can we find yeah. that anywhere? Uh, I hope not. Uh, I hope not. How, but how do we get a copy? I know I, you I, have I, one I on think, your phone. I don't don't think lie. Call Union College tomorrow. And then, um, and then we played. So I was so nervous that we played. I closed the door. I walked out. Of, I wasn't in the auditorium when it played. I was like, like really, really having a hard time. And um, and then I heard people start laughing. 
and it's a comedy, so it was good. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. So, oh. uh, yeah, it was wasn't a drama. No, 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 God, no. Um, and uh, and they start laughing and laughing and laughing, and I and then I I feel my body relax and I go in and I watch it play, and it's not very good, but people are seeing themselves on screen, so it's like, hey, it's like a home movie, basically, right? right? And so people are laughing and da 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 da, and it was just. Um, yeah, it was just an uh, absolute narcotic experience. And I was like, oh, I really like this. And I want to do this more and get better because I'm not good. And, and I you knew better. that though right away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, for better or worse, I think I have a pretty good sense of what's good and what's not good. And I was pretty sure my thing was not good. And, and it wasn't. <laughs> was that something you would use to get into grad school? No. Well, well, fortunately, the Peter Stark program, you didn't have to provide any proof of talent. Okay. Um, <laughs> which, is, which, would have, which would have instantly disqualified me. Um, so, so you had, you know, you had to take your ACTs. My, my, my board scores were fine. My, my, you know, my GPA was fine. It was, you know, you know, high threes and, uh, you know, and I wrote, a, I had a really good interview and, uh, and, and wrote a pretty good essay, I think. And, and so why USC, and obviously it's amazing for film, but not NYU, or did you think uh, about other schools? I, I looked at other schools. Okay. Um, and I looked at UCLA, looked at AFI, looked at NYU. Um, and they all required, um, a, a, a short film. Uh, or mm -hmm. a script or something, and I didn't really have one. I mean, I had Palaver, but I didn't. Right, you know, it wasn't going to get me anywhere. Yeah. So, um, and and the Peter Stark program didn't have that, and it was only two years and not three. So I liked okay. that, and that it gave it gave an overview of of the film business, right? Because I didn't know anything or anybody, and it was like it, it was two years, and it would show you, it would teach you, you know, screenplay structure. Um, how the business works, like what happens when you pay your 10 bucks at the box office and how that gets split up. Um, and so it was this incredible kind of 10,000 foot view of how the town itself works. Oh, awesome. And, and so I can't, and they only take 25 students. It was really small. Um, you know, technically harder to get into than Harvard law school in terms of percentages. Right. Um, uh, and, and so I went and, and, uh, right after, right out of undergrad into grad, no, no, nothing after and, and met my other 24 classmates and made some lifelong friends, some dear friends that are still, um, uh, my closest friends to this day. And, uh, and I learned, I learned, um, I, I took a story class from this uh, fabulous instructor named Bobette Buster. Oh, Bobette Buster. Yeah. 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 So she's, she's awesome and taught me. She breaks down Shawshank a lot of times. I've yeah, 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 yeah. She, on hope. Yeah, yeah I've, yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've been through that, that class, <laughs> that class, and um, and I think Bobette's incredible, and I use what I learned from her, uh, you know, every day in my writing. But um, I disagreed with almost everything she said uh, most of the time, <laughs> and but it was that disagreement that helped me focus and understand my own. But you also knew why, though. Yeah, I, th I thought I developed, did. Started you know, to develop taste. Yeah, I started to develop yeah. like uh, an approach and a way of thinking about story, um, a film story versus you know novels or whatever. Um, and, and so that was super helpful. That class was incredible. Um, and um, you know, I, my my dear friend Pete Corelli, who um, is a screenwriter, a really successful screenwriter, he wrote um, uh, the proposal. He wrote Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, I was just to say um, Crazy Rich Asians. That's yeah, pops yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, he's he's unbelievable. Um, and he and I were in the same class, and he's a godfather to my eldest uh, daughter. Um, and so we both sort of cut our teeth in that same space. And so a lot of times, if I'm trying to figure out a story thing, 
um, I'll call him up and pitch, Mm -hmm. pitch him that I pitch him the thing. And he'll, he's, you know, incredibly smart about this stuff. Um, and, and I'd like to say he does the same for me, but it's, it's really like, (laughs) uh, it's, it's really like 80, 20, you know, in terms of like me calling Pete for help and Pete calling me for help. But, um, uh, in your next movie. (laughs) So at any rate, I hope I'm not going too far in the weeds here. No, no, um, actually, if it's okay, I'd like to pause at that. Sure. And it's a kind of a hard question to frame, but as you're, you're, you're starting to take craft seriously, you're in writing classes and you're probably studying light cameras, other things. Are there any clues where you're like, I love lighting and mm. I always loved photography as a kid, mm. or I talked to myself in the shower about a scene mm-hmm. or on the car on the way there. And now I'm getting to do that. Were there clues where you're learning how to, you already naturally did something mm-hmm. and now you're just learning how to harness it. It was kind of there or needed to be developed. Um, I'm, it's more of as you start to find your voice and your feet. Yeah. Where were there any anything like oh I already do that or oh, I'm naturally good at yeah, writing yeah. obviously like wh- yeah, I think, make the connection. I, yeah, I think I think that um, it was definitely not lighting and camera or direction for me. Copy that. Right. Um, uh, which is stuff that I've worked really hard at getting better at, mm-hmm. um, and I think my movies have gotten better photographically as I've, as I've progressed. Uh, certainly the, the genres have changed allowing for more, um, adventure, uh, in that space. But, um, for me, it was always, uh, storytelling, you know, storytelling, storytelling, storytelling. I, you know, when I was a, you know, a young, a young kid, um, you know, 12, 13, 14, you know, 11, whatever, uh, uh, we, I played role-playing games with my buddies, right? So whether it was Dungeons and Dragons or Teenage ah, Mutant Ninja Turtles yes. or uh, whatever, um, but I was always the game master. I was always the one coming up with the story, um, yeah. and I think that was probably the earliest building blocks of learning how to tell a story mm-hmm. that keeps the attention of your three buddies on a Friday night. You know, uh, you, as you're as you you have thought through this whole story for a week beforehand trying to figure out how to like entice them and then I know them specifically so I'm like oh he's gonna not like this and that's gonna bother him so I'm gonna make sure that happens and <laughs> that. yeah right so manipulating that's your great. audience right yeah. yeah so that so so I cut my teeth there and 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 I think that that helped me um in understanding the sort of magic trick of storytelling especially film storytelling um, the, the manipulation of the audience that's so important mm. in comedy and horror and, and really any any, any genre. Also, yeah. if you're boring to your friends, they'll tell you right oh, there. Oh, yeah. yeah well, they'll get up and walk away. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's go do something else, yeah. right? Um, and so, and so I, you know, it's just hours and hours and hours of, 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 of storytelling and inter- interactive storytelling. So you get that instant feedback of mm. like, well, I don't believe this, right? I don't think that character would ever do that, you know? So, <clears throat> so back to your, um, uh, Angela, back to your question of at, at the Peter Stark program, I, um, I would always think in, in story terms and, and my brain doesn't really um, turn off as my wife will tell you like you know it's always sort of spinning yeah. and I'm always uh, yeah it sounds like you have in a good way things. in yeah. a good way I think you so just learn to curb it or yeah. hide it so that people can't were tell were you constantly yeah. writing while you're in this program like did you have a script in mind that you were kind of just always sure working uh, on yeah well I um uh y- yes not not for class but like for you uh well it, in your first year one of the things you can do for you one of the things you do for the Peter Stark program is you create um you have a thesis uh, at the end of your second year, which is essentially a screenplay, a budget, a cast, and a and a and a 
you know, marketing plan. Okay. So you want to leave, you graduate with, you know, essentially a, a, a saleable package in finger quotes. I mean, I don't think any thesis has ever been made, but, but the idea of having all of your yeah. ducks in a row. And so I remember in 1997, when I graduated from Union College, I was getting ready that summer to go to Peter Stark to USC and I bought Final Draft, right? And I think my... I, I the first like, one? The first one, yeah. Because <laughs> there's like 11. No, no, I think it was like Final Draft 1. 1. Wow. Right? And it was black and white uh, on my, you know, on my on my laptop. I had a laptop um, at that point with like the little ball in the middle. Fancy. Yeah. The little the little cursor. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, um, and I, I distinctly remember opening my first Final Draft document and typing fade in and my heart pounding. Like, that's how excited I was. Um, and I wasn't expecting that. And I remember vividly that feeling. And that was, a, for me at least, a really good indicator that I was on, yeah. on the right yeah. track, right? That I was doing something. Well, I don't know if I would, if I would have any right. success, but at least I knew that it was something that I had passion for. Because yep. when you said the, your sister with the writing, mm -hmm. the movie and the screening, the turning on final draft. Anytime you have a little bit of nerves and excitement, it yeah. sounds like that's kind of where you're firing in your sweet spot. I guess so. I'd never thought of it that way. I, and that might be a bad way to frame it. No, but no. But I think that's. Do you find that happening in like future in the films you've done? Yeah, you know, it's 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 when you're when you're writing um, when you're writing like now I'm writing stuff that I'm I'm likely gonna go shoot as opposed to. Like who knows, right? Yeah, right. Um, and so that's a, d a slightly different yeah. feeling, but but a lot of times it's st you still get excited if with a great turn of phrase or mm. a great surprising moment, you know. And and um, and what's interesting about, for at least for me, about uh, all the stuff that I've done, I've I, I write, I write and direct everything, or I, or I've rewritten the script mm -hmm. um, uh, most many times, significantly, sometimes less so. But um, but my first chance to direct is when I'm writing the script, and and um, and, and that process is is super exciting. What's weird about it is like you start by yourself, right? It's you and flashing cursor, right? And you're just grinding, right? You're just thinking it through and you're and you're frustrated and sometimes you have a great writing day and sometimes you have a poor writing day and all of that stuff, yeah. right? So you're all by yourself, right? Yeah. And then <clears throat> and then the process opens up, right? And you start you show it to your producers, you show it to your actors, the studio, more people become involved, more people. And then if you're lucky, you get to go get it made and then it's 500 people are involved. It's not just you and your right. producer. And then you make the movie, right? And then it, it, it narrows back again and it's just you and your editor or editors. So it's maybe 15 people in your circle as you're, as you're doing the final mm -hmm. rewrite on your movie, right? You're telling the, your final version of the story. And then when you're done, <sighs> goes out to the world and it can be hundreds of millions of people uh, like, like Red Notice. It's yeah. a very... Um, surreal experience uh in in so many ways but we can talk about that later yeah. if you'd like so you're in the program you graduate yes um so i, I started i started writing my first script um uh which was uh not not good um <laughs> not good it was um it was a uh by your standards or they told you it wasn't good uh Mm, <laughs> this is probably not good. Yeah, but but here's what it, you I know, respect your honesty yeah. and candor, yeah. sir. It was not. It was not good. But um, I, I think what it showed uh, was facility on the page. Like I could I could write. You know the the writing on the page was good, and the way the story moved was good in terms of like how it, you know, can you know 
uh, fooled the audience or, or or surprised or whatever. It was a, it was basically a thriller, right? And um, and then you know, and I wrote it, and I'm like, this is great. This is gonna be. They're gonna want this, right? Because I did it as my thesis, and then like I was like, they're gonna want this, and then I you know all the thesis advisors read it, and they're like, yeah, you know, it's not a bad. It's all right, you know. Congratulations, good luck. And I'm like, nobody's making an offer. I can't. I can't <laughs> say. Um, and so you know, looking back, like wow. Um, and so and so fall from grace. I know, oh, but boo. but but I but I could I could uh, you know I could hit right like I could write on the page um it just wasn't a good script and then i graduated and between in your second year of the peter stark program um they set you up with an internship Mm -hmm. during the day so their classes are at night so i worked at william morris before it was william morris endeavor as as a essentially an assistant or a floater from 7 a.m to 7 p.m then i'd get in my uh $800 $800 Toyota Corolla uh, and drive to USC for uh, my my classes at night from 7.30 to 10.30 right. and do it all over again. So it was a, it was a long year. For a year. A year, yeah. Wow. And it was a long time. But but I got to be, I, I, I worked at this agency and I was so happy to do it. I never wanted to be an agent, of course. And about eight seconds into being there, I was like, oh, definitely no. don't want to be an agent. Like it is a very hard job and it's really for, for a specific personality type, mm-hmm. uh, which I am not. And, um, but I learned a lot about, about how agents work and how representation works. And, and I thought, you know, you can choose you, at the time you could sort of apply to be, work at a studio or a production company or an agency. And to me, the agency was the only, only choice because it's the hub, right? Everybody work, everybody connects to the, to the agency. So I would learn everything. And, um, it was a fabulous internship and I, and I, you know, learned a ton, met, met a bunch of people who are now, you know, titans of industry, um, in town, but. Um, uh, but one thing that came out of that was, uh, there's a, a screenwriter, fantastic screenwriter named John August, who has a podcast called script notes with, along with Craig Mazin, which is, which is an excellent, excellent, um, uh, uh, podcast, not as good as this one, of course, but, no. um, <laughs> not many are. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and, um, at any rate, uh, so I, um, John was looking for an assistant. He was a Peter Stark grad and I applied um, and, 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 you know, I called everybody I knew, uh, and I didn't hear anything. And then I, you know, I thought it was a no go. And then I got my phone rang and it was John. And he said, look, I got your resume from like three different places. So we should probably meet and met with him and he hired me and I was his assistant for about two and a half years. What was he working on at the time? He had just finished go. Okay. Um, and he was working on Charlie's angels and mm, big yep, fish. Yep. Uh, and he did some rewrites on Jurassic, uh, park i think and minority report oh wow um so he was just like on fire on fire (laughs) yeah and and deservedly so he's a fantastic fantastic screenwriter but what i got to learn was what it looks like to be a professional screenwriter in town and um and it looks like a lot of hard work right it's your ass in the seat every day and it's not um you know there's this old saying you know uh uh, inspiration is for amateurs and professional sweat. And that's what it is. Like it's, you, you sit down and you, mm-hmm. do, the you do the work. There's no trick to it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so seeing how he did that, how he managed the notes from producers and studios and how he dealt with stars. And, and I just learned so much and he was so kind to me. And it was this incredible incubator where when you're the assistant to a, to a basically a feature screenwriter, there's not a ton to do, 
other than like, you know, if you can answer the phone without hurting yourself and you know, schedule <laughs> you know, premieres and, and pitches and whatnot, you're, you know. So I had a lot of time to work on my own stuff, which is what John wanted and what he supported and still does. Um, and he's certainly gotten a little bit bigger in terms of his business. But but um, at any rate, so I wrote my second script, um, which was a, sort of a, a an action picture. Um, and it uh, was not good. Um, and I remember, <clears throat> I you know, get, you say that a lot, but yeah. your stuff keeps uh, doing really well. No, no. Well, the first one didn't do anything. Oh, okay. you know, and, this, right. and the second one, so I gave it to John, I wrote it and, um, and I gave it to John and, uh, and this is my memory. Of and it. he was willing enough to, to read anything you wrote. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He'd say, look, when you're ready, I'm, you know, I'm here. Yeah. That's the kind of guy I was and still is. And so, um, I gave him the script, uh, over the weekend and, uh, I was sweating bullets and um, and I came in on you know Monday morning, and he well, this is my memory of it. He probably would say I never did that. Um, and he, <laughs> my memory is he comes in, he's holding the script in his hand, and he throws it on the desk, and he goes, "Nope," and he walked out. That was your note. Yeah. Nope. Wow. And I went, "Oh, oh. fuck!" Like yeah. that. Um, I think he gave me some notes, but it was it was. He gave you a pat on the back. It, and it, it says, nope. essentially that, right? <laughs> And so I was have you not learned anything? I know I was <laughs> devastated. And so then, uh, but, but what I, but what, what I learned is that like I was writing, I wrote a thriller and I wrote an action film and I wasn't writing comedy and I loved comedy and it mattered. But I think the reason I wasn't doing that is because if I failed writing a, a comedy, that would be really hard for me Oof. because I, because I have, I love it so much yeah. and I respect it so much. And it was okay to write a, a, a shitty thriller or a shitty action movie. Everybody does that. Because that's not your real thing. And you yeah, can always I'm not just, really, yeah, I'm not really putting myself out there, right? right. Like, it's like, yeah, this is like how they do them, right? Like kind of like this, right? And so- and <laughs> Safety net. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, and, and as you know, uh, or as anybody knows who, who's tried this, like if you, if you start from a place of writing from the outside in, you're fucked, mm. right? So like if you're writing like, hey, this will sell or hey, other people like these kinds of movies. Right. So here I'll do it. Um, you're you're absolutely fucked. From so you mentioned jump. Raiders and Return of the Jedi when you were a kid. Like, what were some of the comedies that like inspired you? Oh my god! I know it's probably too long of a list. No, but. no. I mean, I can, I can. I mean, how long do you get? But it's uh, Revenge of the Nerds, one okay. of my all time favorites. Perfectly uh, structured film. Uh, I took my mom uh, to to see it in a theater, and and uh, it's R rated, by the way. And she she balled up napkins and threw them at me the whole time. She was so embarrassed <laughs> that I would bring her to this movie and that I had seen it at my age. Um, Ghostbusters, uh, obviously, um, yes. you know, Caddyshack Stripes. Um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China fan at all? You know, I never was. I watched it recently, and um, it's not quite all about. Um, Take it back right now. <laughs> I, it's perfect. What did I say? Yeah. That's perfect. right. Yeah. That's what I thought um, you said. Uh, I'm, I mean, you know, th there's so many um, uh, great comedies. What's uh, what's a few movies that you still watch to this day, like routinely or ritualistically? Once a year, you watch oh, your favorite. Oh well, I mean, my favorite film of all time. It's not maybe not the best film, but my personal favorite film of all time is Bull Durham, uh, Ron Shelton, uh, Jim. Um, it does everything right um, and nothing wrong, which is so rare. Um, <laughs> and and uh, so Bull Durham Raiders, obviously, whenever whenever it's on, you just you have to watch it. Right. Um, uh, Hoosiers, I'll watch anytime. Oh, Gene Hackman, yeah. Oh my God, uh, Rudy, I'll watch anytime it's on. That's one of Ryan's favorite films. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, what are we talking about? Come yeah, on. right. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's just a bunch. Um, that you're just like, oh, I'll just watch a little bit, and then you just and then you watch yeah, the yeah, yeah, of course. Got it. Um, so when did you realize that, like, hey, I should start writing 
what I love. Well, it was basically after my second script where I'm like, oh God, like if I'm going to strike out, I should just strike out with my own bat. You yeah. know, like I should, I should write something that I think That's is a good funny, point of view, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, um, uh, and so I started writing a, a, a movie about adults hitting each other with balls. Um, like I, I wrote <laughs> dodgeball at the time it was called underdogs. And, um, and, uh, I wrote it and, um, and it was just something that I thought was funny. Like I've always loved sports and I've always loved comedy and it was sort of, I didn't want to write like, you know, a softball beer league movie or like a right. soccer movie. I didn't want to write anything with a sport that anybody could take seriously because the movie wasn't serious. It was, you know, it was essentially a, a satire of sports films mm -hmm. in some sense. And, um, and so I wrote it. I used the same rules that Mr. Little taught me in junior high PE, you know, and I love dodgeball, but when you say dodgeball to somebody, you know, they either break into a smile or they break into a sweat, but right. I, either, either, depending on how good they were that's in right. school. Yeah. That's right. And I always loved it. Um, and so, uh, so at any rate, I wrote dodgeball and, um, and this is, yeah. So I wrote dodgeball and, and may I ask just roughly how sure. long from idea to at least first draft how, what's that, what was that process for you? Six months, uh, three yeah, months? Yeah, I would say, I would say, I would say six is probably right. And were you still an was, assistant? Yeah, still okay. working for John and then. Um, and working on the weekends probably. Mm -hmm, so you, mm -hmm. you busted your ass for at yeah. least three straight years without e stopping. E easily. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and not going out and working and, and, and the first draft of Dodgeball was like 154 pages, <laughs> you know, which just shows you that I, you know, just didn't plan properly it's, it's a two-part sequel it's, like <laughs> Avatar. it's fine but you know you're just i've just you know there's a couple of ways to approach uh, a first draft right which is um you can either uh just start writing and see what happens um and then once you finish then you figure out what you did and then you you condense it that. yeah or you can you know save the cat you can you can plan 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 right. plan and then um and then write, um, and and you're typically closer to the mark at that point. Uh, I I remember I went <coughs> and um, heard these two uh, in the same week on a Monday and a Wednesday. I heard Gary Ross speak about screenwriting at the Academy. He was getting an award for being a fantastic screenwriter, which he is. And then I heard Scott Frank speak at a like a little black box kind of screenwriting talk. Mm -hmm. And um, and Gary Ross talked about how he outlined you know, for six months and he had, you know, 500 note cards and, you know, a 90 page outline and da, da 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 And then he starts to write and the scripting takes a few weeks. Right. Right. And, and I sitting in the theater, just like, like my palms were sweating. You're like, like, I didn't do that. I'm like, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Like my brain doesn't work like that. Right. I, I'm, I'm never going to, this is never going to work. Cause I don't do that. And he's Gary Ross and I am, Definitely not Gary Ross. <laughs> and then I heard Scott Frank speak, and he's like, I don't outline. I don't know anything about theme. I don't know what a theme <laughs> is. Um, I torture my friends with drafts until they won't call me back anymore. And I was like, yes. Yes, that's yes. me. That's what so I do. I was like, yeah, so I was like, <laughs> okay, okay. So, uh, And I've now f found my way to a place where, um, just oh. through experience, that I can that I don't ever write a 154 page draft anymore that, that, that essentially like if, if you're going from, you know, uh, Los Angeles to New York, right. I know where I'm headed. I know I'm going to hit Chicago in the middle and then I want to hit, you know, Salem and then I'm going to go up, you know, I know the, the, the places, right. The beats, but, but yeah. in between I, I liked, I personally enjoy time for discovery. Um, you know, I have less time now to do it that way and I have to be a little more uh, prescriptive, but, um, but for me, like, uh, uh, a really uh, thorough outline steals some of the joy 
um, uh, of the mm-hmm. process for me, uh, not for everybody. Um, so anyways, um, I'm, I'm with John and I'm writing dodgeball and I, I finished dodgeball and I f- cut it down and cut it down. This is 2000 ish. Okay. Right. And, um, and then at the same time I wrote a tiny little short that I, the short script that I thought was funny, um, uh, which is called Terry Tate office linebacker. I've seen that. Have you? Yeah. Yes. Is that right? We've seen Absolutely. That, yeah. So just tackling people like yeah. Terry Crews, right? At uh, 40 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. A professional a, athlete. Yeah, it's a, yeah, basically about a CEO of a company who hires a six foot six, 300 pound linebacker to tackle people in the office who aren't doing their job. And, um, <laughs> and it made me laugh and I wrote it and, uh, and, uh, and then this is right when the internet was beginning. Right. And they didn't, they were like, Hey, we need content for this thing. So the halcyon days, you know, yeah. like YouTube didn't exist, nothing. Right. And so, uh, this company that's now defunct, I believe called propaganda, um, gave us a little bit of money to go shoot it. And so I shot um, this thing called Terry Tate Office Linebacker. I found this guy, Lester Spate, who was amazing. He, you know, I put an ad in Backstage West. This is, what, Ooh, this yeah. is how old it is. And he was amazing and just the perfect casting. We went and shot it. I cut it with this guy, DJ Ramirez, who um, had a hot rod shop in um, in Sunnyvale. And so I would drive an hour and a half north to cut in his, the back of his hot rod shop with him. That's uh, awesome. It was freezing cold. <laughs> um, and we, we worked on the thing. And so anyways, we made this short film. Um, at the same time that I was writing Dodgeball, and uh, this is all going to, I think, come together if you bear with me. I believe you. You're a storyteller. <laughs> uh, I'm and, tracking. Keep going. So, and then so I gave uh, Underdogs to, to John, um, and I was sweating again through the weekend. Just That's like, a marker that you're doing something right. Yeah, I'm just right. like, oh, fucking hell. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I... I'm, I, you know, I'm there early Monday, like tapping my foot and I, you know, I hear the door open and, and John's there and my heart's like, dung, 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 dung. and he walks in and he puts the script on the desk and he says, this is very funny. We should talk. And I was like, oh, <laughs> um, and so John really loved it. And, um, and, uh, and, 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 uh, he thought it was gonna be great and gave me some notes that were super smart. And then, um, uh, and then, uh, we sent it to his, his fabulous agent, um, at UTA, uh, who, who read it and, um, it just did not want to represent me. Um, wow. and then a couple other agents at UTA called me to tell me that they also didn't want to represent me. They called you. That's yes. very nice. That's very nice. Yeah. yeah. They were like, we've read your script. We also, for whatever it's worth, do not want to represent <laughs> you. And I was like, uh, Okay, uh, yeah. you know, like thanks, like, thank yeah. you. I guess they just said hashtag nope. Yeah, and it was just like, you. but it was, you know, I think it was tried to, out of respect for John as a client. Right, want, I don't know, but but um, at any rate, a friend of mine was an assistant to an agent at Paradigm, uh, a great agent named Mark Ross, who read the script and liked me and like the script. And, uh, I went out to meet him at this party in Malibu. There's like a beach party in Malibu. He's like, come on out. And so I went out to meet Mark Ross, you know, and I was like, this is like Hollywood stuff. Like yeah. it's a Hollywood it's party. A party. It's a party. And, and anyway, so he signed me and, uh, and I had my first agent, um, uh, based on that script. And, um, and we, uh, we sent it out. Um, I, I, uh, I went to big five and I bought, 20 red rubber balls and I hand stenciled the word underdogs on each one. I still have one and we sent it out to 20 places and everybody said no. Um, they would also say, they would say, they would, they would say no in the same way. They would when you say 20 places, are they studios? Are they production companies? Uh, production they, companies okay. is where we went first. We, and we didn't go to studios. I don't, I can't quite remember. I don't think we sent to studios. We we're trying to get a producer or production company on to bring the cash. Yeah. Studio. Yeah. Um, and, 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 um, and I was attached to direct it, and because uh, I said so, 
and, um, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and so, and so, um, they would all say no in the same way. They would say like, look, we think it's super funny. Uh, but we're never going to make your movie. Um, because of you attached no, to it? No, just because like we don't think anybody wants to see this. It's very, very funny and well-written, but nobody wants to see this, and we also don't validate parking. Uh, and I'd be like, <laughs> fuck, and fuck me. And, um, and it cost me like six bucks, and I didn't have six dollars a meeting to like, right. lose. And so, Plus all the dodgeballs you already sent out. This is not, it's not cheap. Um, and so I, but I'd written the hero, the hero role for Vince Vaughn because I loved swingers. Like it, it yeah. changed my life. And, um, and, and I wrote, and every so often I'd be writing my crappy little apartment off of Melrose and I'd be at a coffee shop and I'd see Vince walk by and I'd be like, I know something you don't know. I'm writing like a creepy (laughs) screenwriter. And then, um, and, uh, yeah, super, super creepy and, um, passionate. The word you're looking for is passionate. What did I say? Yes. Creepy. Yes. Passionate. Passionate. And, uh, and I wrote the villain role for Vin, or sorry, for Ben. And I didn't know Ben, but I huge fan of the Ben Stiller show. Like I loved it in high school. And loved, you know, just loved all of his stuff. I was massive, massive Ben Stiller fan. And uh, and I then a few other roles. I wrote the Justin uh, role for Justin Long and, and the and the um, Kate Beach role for uh, Christine Taylor, who I just thought was a you know super super talented uh, comedian. Um, anyways, uh, so we decided to send it to Red Hour, which was Ben's company. We sent so we everybody said no you know, essentially twice. And then, um, <laughs> and then, and then, uh, we sent it to red hour with a dodgeball. Uh, I think we were out of dodgeball. There he goes. No, that's so maybe that, might was be, the problem. that might've been it. So sent it to him, sent it to his company. Rather the receptionist there, his name is will read it and liked it, who gave it to the junior executive Rhodes Raider, who read it and liked it, who gave it to Stuart Kornfeld, who read it and liked it. Ben's producing partner who gave it to Ben, who read it and liked it, who met me and liked me. And ah. that's how, that's how uh, dodgeball began. Um, and so, so to be clear, just a 10 second recap, you got told, nope, 20, 20 times, 20 Mm -hmm. times, then some more no's, then changed the script, shot something with a little bit on your own to prove that you could direct Uh and then got told 20 more no's. Uh-huh. And then you had to jump through probably seven, eight, nine, ten more hurdles. Yes, just to get the meeting, which you might not even guarantee a job. Yes, correct. But so fir- it's really easy when you get a movie made. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying yeah. to drive at. Yeah, the the um yeah, the, it's it's an iceberg, right? Like when you go to a theater and you see a film, you're seeing that top little mm, right. you know, 10, 10, 2, 10 percent, whatever that is. Right. Uh, but there's this whole iceberg of effort that happens below the water that no one will ever see and no one will ever know about. So at any rate, at the same time that that was happening, uh, Terry Tate, um, uh, we finished the short film and it became one of those things in town where this is before the internet. So people were passing the tape around, Mm -hmm. right? In the same way, I mean, it wasn't as good, but in the same way as like, like I had people from Colorado send me um, uh, Matt and Trey's uh, first um, first uh, short film of uh, uh, Jesus versus Santa Claus. Yeah, right. Um, where it's just like like my friend uh, uh, John Treater from high school was an, it was a Boulder guy sent me this tape, black VHS tape with like no label on it. I thought it was porn. He's like, <laughs> "This is the funniest thing I ever I've ever seen." And I'm like, "Jesus!" I put it in, and it was the Matt and Trey thing, and it was just so funny. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, people were handing handing around VHS tapes of um, Terry Tate. Um, I was working with uh, 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 Dave Bardis and I, Doug, pa- oh. because real Greg Wilson, one of my best friends, he worked for Gary Marshall for years. Huh? We were roommates, and uh, I saw your, I saw that, 
because he was like, Angelo, come here. This is what I want to do to some of the people that work in my office. And I remember leaning over the couch and, and I'm just like, what am I watching? And then just smash right. out of left field. I'm like, I like this. What is this? So that's, that's, that's literally how I was introduced to that. It was that simple. As simple as that. It's, it's a oh, very, sorry, go ahead. I was a fan and uh, yeah, for real. I hear that. Um, so, 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 so uh, Dave Bartis and Doug Lyman at Hypnotic, the Doug Lyman. Um, who swingers, swingers. Dumb, I was just yeah, going to say, yeah, swingers yeah, all yeah. coming and around. Swingers yeah. and go. And go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Doug Lyman, like you, you can put his, 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 uh, resume up against anybody's like he's, he's rock solid. And, um, and so they saw it and loved it. And they're like, Hey, um, we have a partner that we want to show this to. And I was like, great. And they showed it to Reebok and Reebok saw it. And they said, we don't really know what this is. But we but, like it. But we like it. And here's some money to go make some more. But before that happened, I had submitted Terry Tate to the Sundance Film Festival. Now, if there's anything that does not deserve to be in Sundance, it is Terry Tate. <laughs> it is the opposite of what Sundance is all about. But I had sent my my student film in uh, that I made at USC uh, to Sundance and got a very polite but chilly rejection letter where my name is totally misspelled, uh, like a form letter. And so I framed it and put it in my bathroom. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to submit something every year to Sundance and just get a rejection letter. I'm going to start to wallpaper my bathroom. Like I was going to like videotape myself brushing my teeth Brilliant. for 90 seconds, send it yeah. in. Maybe it's art. I don't know. <laughs> That'll yeah. get in. Yeah, but yeah, the other yeah. thing you made won't. Of course. <laughs> and so I sent it, sent Terry Tate in and I just, you know, just for the, sincerely for the rejection letter. I mean, if you ever see Terry Tate, you, you know, it doesn't, you belong know, there, belong yeah. there and uh and uh and i completely <laughs> forgot about it and i got a phone call and, and i was like hello and and she said rawson i said yep and I said hi this is roberta from the uh sundance film festival i just want to say congratulations terry tate has been accepted into sundance and i was like who who is this what is that <laughs> like, what? like i i never and and so i got in and so i went to sundance to the short film competition and i bought a puffy jacket and i'm a filmmaker at sundance this is in 2000 right and i graduated in 99 2000 i'm a sundance film filmmaker <clears throat> by accident was, by accident which was and it was unbelievable it was like the coolest thing right and but at the same time reebok has seen terry tate and they're saying look if you play it at sundance we won't do this we, we we need to keep this off the off the charts or off the off the off the record until we are ready, and so I had a choice to make about you know do I pull my short film from Sundance or do I not, and of course I was like well look uh, you know I I, I I call up Roberta and I'm like ah, this is what's happening, and and she's like you should pull it we're so happy for you this is what we want anyways congratulations and couldn't have been cooler, and. Um, Roberta Monroe, still still the coolest, and so I Go think I'm, I think I might be the only filmmaker in the history of Sundance, a short film competition, uh, to that has pulled to it. pull their film. So it like never was shown, and then um, I mean that's a great. I didn't even mean to, and yeah. then I got in, and then <laughs> yeah. I immediately had to pull it. Yeah, I mean yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's like what a what a what you a, smack down Sundance. What a ridiculous move, right? <laughs> uh, Sundance you, smack smack me down later. We can talk about that. That's all right. You throw uh, another dodgeball at him, you'll be fine. <laughs> so at any rate, so Terry Tate was happening. I. I Reebok gave us money. I went and shot uh, six episodes of it, you know, six 10 minute episodes, um, wrote more and, and we had a real budget. It was unbelievable. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And then uh, said at the same time, dodgeball was happening. And, and so the, the and this is all I promise is going to come together. So there was the 2000, I think it was 2001 Super Bowl, right? So top of January. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was Tampa Bay Bucks against the Raiders, yep. right? And TiVo had just come out. So people had TiVos, right? No YouTube yet. Uh, TiVo had come out. And 
um, we and 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 Reebok had bought sixty seconds on the Super Bowl for Terry Tate, right? Like we didn't know that was their plan. Wow. Like we we had finished the thing. We didn't know they were going to do that. And then they called us up and they're like, "Hey, we're going to do put it on the Super Bowl," and we were like what okay awesome like the super bowl the super bowl, <laughs> yeah. super bowl Wait, which like super bowl like are we talking about the super bowl of nachos <laughs> like, what are, like what are we talking about the the pet super bowl and um and so so at any rate the game was a blowout yep terry tate played right we had a big thing in westwood all of us came terry was there lester spate was there we enjoyed it and it was fun but what was amazing was TiVo the next week or whatever released their viewership totals and the terry tate 60 second spot was the most watched part of that Super Bowl because people kept rewinding it to watch it over again. The game wasn't any good, yeah, right. So they kept watching the thing, right? And then um, it was on the Reebok website, and the ne- that next Monday or Tuesday, it shut down servers um, on the East Coast because and the, the, and the, the the infrastructure wasn't there, of course. But like right. people kept trying to download and watch the watch the thing. This is like when you had to wait like you know thirty minutes to download the Star Wars, yep. you know, you know, trailer. So. It's so, dial up. Yeah, that was dial like still up. dial yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And then that Friday, Terry Tate rang the closing bell on the New York Stock Exchange. <laughs> Not kidding. So that's what like it was like a thing, and uh, a thing before. Are you like a, I made it? I know. I well, I got interviewed by some people. It was like my first interviews ever, and um, I was mostly just like it was so surreal. Mm-hmm. I'd never thought about. Yeah, what's happening? Right yeah, I'm like, yeah. what? Like, this is just literally a thing that I wrote that I thought was going to make me and ten buddies laugh. Yeah, and that was it. Like, there was no plan. I just thought it was personal. Is your funny. agent getting blown up now for you to direct like other commercials? Like, <laughs> well, it's it's weird in, on the agent side because the my agent is a feature direct uh, feature director's agent uh, and writer, right? So so that he had no commercial Got it. connection. But I did uh, start uh, directing some commercials. Uh, I've never actually found much consistent success in the commercial world, mm-hmm. but. At any rate, so so Terry Tate becomes this thing. Dodgeball is moving along. Um, uh, you know, uh, Ben Stiller's company, Red Hour, makes a deal at DreamWorks um, for the uh, you know, uh, and 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 DreamWorks agrees. Adam Goodman and John Fox there agreed to option um, uh, Underdogs Dodgeball as basically like a like a favor, right? They just signed this deal. They want to play nice. It's the first, one of the first things that Red Hour brings to them. And so they option it for the lowest amount of money humanly possible, <laughs> like legally possible, right? It, almost nothing. But it's, a, it's my first professional job. I got in the WGA because of it and I start rewriting the script. Um, and I spend a year rewriting the script um, for them at the same time that Terry Tate's happening and all that. So when you say you got paid during the WGA, Dodgeball is now at a major studio. Ben Stiller is attached as a production yeah. company. Are you still in line to direct this? Yeah. Well, nobody nobody wanted to make it, so they also they didn't think. I don't think they thought it was important for them to also say that they didn't think I should direct. Okay. It. But but what was happening was that was before Ben was involved, and once Ben believed in me, right? Got it. Ben Ben said, "This is I, I believe in this guy," and part of that has to do with Terry Tate, which Got is what it. I'm coming to now because Terry Tate showed that I knew where to put the camera for physical comedy to work. Mm. And I think that that was enough mm-hmm. for them. And Ben's Ben Ben saying, you know, being under Ben Stiller's aegis and him and, and him saying, I, uh, you know, I'll back yeah. this guy. Studio is, is cool. If Ben's cool, they're cool. Right. And so, and they were never going to make it anyways. So they, 
you know, didn't feel like it was important to also kick me in the shins. So, so, um, so I, I rewrote the script for a year and it kept getting better. Right. Um, that's good. Yeah. It kept getting better because of Ben and Stuart. Like they were really gave great notes and they were super smart and I worked my ass off and, and, and kept writing it. And, and I remember the, uh, you know, uh, John Fox and Adam Goodman saying, Hey, this is getting, this is getting good. And and we're like, yeah, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not homework. Like we're trying to make a movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we want to make this thing. And um, and Mike DeLuca was there at the time, and so uh, Adam and and John really liked it, and they gave it to Mike DeLuca, who really liked it, and he gave it to uh, uh, Walter Parks um, and uh, I think it's Lord McDonald, who were running DreamWorks at the time. And and I think they put the kibosh on it. I think they felt like, look, DreamWorks doesn't make dodgeball movies. Like that's not what we do here. We win Academy Awards. Oh. Um, oh, okay. And I was like, oh. And so then it went. It was put in turnaround, uh, which which is when a studio elects not to make it, they will let you go shop it to other places to make it. But but it, but as long as they get reimbursed for their fees plus a uh, ten ten or fifteen percent big, right? So. But their fears, fees were so low because so they paid you nothing. Nothing. Like, and I, I was happy, happy to do it. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, uh, but it was essentially like half of a cold ham sandwich and like some water. Like, that's that was the payment. It's like, whatever, man. I, whatever. I'm just happy to be here. Selling movies. Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, and, and I'll stop talking here in a second, but. No, no, um, no keep so, going. So it went to Fox. Or, all right. And there's an executive there named Debbie Liebling, and who I love to this day. And she came from Comedy Central, and she's the one who found Matt and Trey uh, uh-uh. and brought them in for South Park. And she moved to, to DreamWorks. And there's a character in Dodgeball um, that was sort of um, a shibboleth for me, a, a litmus test, right? Where if you, if you got this character, you understood the movie, and that's Steve the Pirate. Right? Yep. Like if you understood why that <clears throat> worked in the movie, then you understood the tone, you understood what I was trying to get to right? right and i walk into debbie's uh office for my first meeting with her because they like the script they want to talk about it and she hugs the script to her chest and she says i love steve the pirate and i was like i want to marry you um, <laughs> and you did no, and, and that's my wife um, <laughs> yeah, no, but she's she was just like the, the, so smart and and such a fighter and she had to and this is things that that people i think don't understand is like it's not just about um who the director is or who the stars are there, there are there are these executives who love movies, who work their ass off to get where they are, and they have to fight for your movie internally when you're not there. When people say mean stuff mm-hmm. about your script, or or you, or whatever, you ha- having those internal champions are are so important um, and so rare. And Debbie Liebling was a hundred percent that. So she had to in the Darth Vader room at Fox, this long black table with Tom Rothman at one end and Debbie at the other. She's the one who had to stand up and say, look, I know this is a dumb comedy, but this is a smart, dumb comedy and we should make it. And it was, and it was because of her and certainly Ben and, and that it costs almost nothing for a studio film. We made it for under 20 and um, uh, which sounds like a lot, but not, not right. considering when you have Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn, these are big stars yeah. at the time, sort of. Um, ben was a big star and I had to, you know, uh, plead my case for Vince at the time. Um, Because there's a lot of, what about Ashton Kutcher? I'm like, no, that's, he's great, but he's not the right guy. I wrote it for Vince. And so, and, um, and then we went off and made it. And then. um, Was Dodgeball before old school? Yes. Okay. Yes. So yeah, Vince isn't really that big of a. No. Yes. I'm almost nearly positive. Okay. That was was before. Um, Yes. Uh, Or, or when we were getting to. 
have to check. Or we, when we were trying to put, oh, put yeah, please. Uh, when we were trying to put because dodgeball on, came out in 04? yeah, oh four. So that means you shot it with like oh three, oh two, yeah, three, yeah. And but I don't think old school had come out yet, so, right? So Vince was not, even though he was a star from Swingers and then yeah. Jurassic, like it was, it was, it was still for whatever reason a question mark, but. Yeah. Um, old school 2003 yeah. release, which means they had to at least be filming in 2002. Right. So that's so, so when it, so old school hadn't come out, out yet. yet, but you were okay. right. So, you, so, which is a problem I faced you know, many, many other times. So, and this will be the last part of it. Make the movie, <clears throat> um, the movie's coming out. And when you, and here's the thing I didn't know is like, you get your release date, right? And this is my, um, my first time for, I was so green. Like I didn't know anything about anything, you know, but I knew what the story was, right? I, I knew why the story worked. Um, and when you're a first time director, you don't have edict on your side, right? Like you can't say, trust me, I've done this before, you know, it'll work. But what I did have was I knew the story better than anybody because I'd written it for so long and I understood how it worked and why it worked and mm-hmm. what was funny. And if you change this, well, how that would affect three scenes later, et cetera. Right. So you try to present your case in that way and you get a lot of support and, Ben was incredibly supportive and, um, you know, he was, he was tough, but tough in a way that you would want, right? Like it was never about his own vanity. It was about the, the best project. I best want pro- the best project. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, uh, you have an incredible amount of respect for that, that man. And I owe him my career. Um, so you, we found out that we were coming out on the same weekend that, uh, Terminal was coming out, which was a uh, Tom Hanks, yep. Steven Spielberg yep. film. And <clears throat> when that happens, you're like, ah, shit, you know, like, you're like <laughs> maybe we can be a plucky number two, like, you know, and, uh, and so that Friday night the movie's coming out and I, you know, rent a, a, a limousine with my, my buddies and my Are you nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nervous. Or excited. A yeah. little bit of both. Both. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I, I guess I, I just was so naive. I wasn't naive enough to be super nervous, right. but. Um, like I was surprised that when people would call me up after they saw the trailer, I'm like, people, well, who's watching my trailer? Why? Okay. Like I didn't know anything about anything. I was just trying to make a movie that I thought was fun and funny. And so we start going around and, and dodgeball is sold out, sold out, sold out. And everywhere we were going and they were pulling terminal off the screens, off screens and putting dodgeball on screens. And, and then that Friday night around 11 o'clock, I get a call from Stuart Kornfeld, uh, may he rest in peace, um, our, uh, uh, our fabulous producer. And he uh, called and he said, uh, Rawson, uh, Dodgeball is going to make $11 million tonight and $30 million for the weekend. It's going to be the number one film in, in America. And congratulations. And I was just like, what? <laughs> Did you call DreamWorks back and be like, <laughs> so I thought you guys make Oscars. How's $30 million? <laughs> it was, um, and that's when $30 million meant something. Right. Uh, 2004 <laughs> hey, it still does. Um, uh, no, but DreamWorks, to their credit, uh, Adam Goodman and John Fox sent me a big, um, uh, like a big sort of uh, gym satchel of, uh, of red rubber balls. And they said, we always knew you had the balls. Congratulations. Oh, nice. that's, okay. So super I like classy. them again. Nice. Super that was classy. great. Oh yeah. They're, they're, Very classy. They're, they're great. Um, and, uh, and so after that, after that moment, um, you know, you're, you're a made man at, at that point and, uh, you know, and then it's up to you to continue or, or, or not, um, but that's, I don't well, know if I've ever told that story. Well, thank you. That's why I wanted you to come on here, buddy. Because yeah, I know you friend-wise, but yeah, I yeah. never knew the, like how you actually made it. Yeah. Like how you actually got that, that break and how yeah. how hard it was and all yeah. the rejection. And, and, and how how lucky. Yeah. How absolutely. Yeah, mean, but you surrounded yourself with good people and yeah. you worked really hard. Well, uh, Angela, that's a that's a really good point that it's, that, that you know, for me, I think it, it comes down to, to you know, success in, in, in this town or, or really any field. I mean, uh, it comes down to th- three things and it's um 
hard work, luck, and talent, yeah, probably in equal measure. And um, and the only you can only really control one of those, which is hard work. Mm. And and so that's that's what I try to do is is work as hard as I can. And um, and the that's harder, a, harder you work, a, luckier you get. That's a yeah. That's a good perspective. And and some of that luck, I think you help move in your favor by use, working with good people. Yeah, well, that does nudge it a little bit right, in the right for way. Sure. If you can surround yourself with 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 good people, with people who are you know talented and you know uh, who also want to work as equally as hard. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and um, yeah, I mean, there, where's the I forget who said it, but it's you know if you're dumb, surround yourself with smart people, and if you're smart, surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you. Mm. And and uh, and I think that's really important, you know, to to surround yourself with people who are not only smart but will will challenge you and 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 push you are you around <clears throat> excuse me are you around 25 at this time 26 uh, 20, like, i wrote it when i was 20 i wrote dodgeball when i was 26 okay and it came out i started writing yeah, it was 20, uh, 27 26 and then it came out when i was 28 or 29 so because it just it, turned 20 it became so successful yeah and wasn't done on a huge budget mm. are you now looked at as like a go-to comedy guy at director that at that point because um, I know you followed that up with a drama. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it wasn't like you just kept choice. doing my comedies. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say bad choice? Bad choice. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, terrible. Um, um, I, uh, well, I, I guess like I made this thing that I, you know, and I think I was just super freaked out. Like, I, I, I wasn't expecting what it was, and 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 then I got really scared that I would be pigeonholed as just a, just a broad comedy guy. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, at that point in my life, I thought that was not a good thing, um, which I don't feel that way now. But um, and I and I had this book that I loved called The Mysteries of Pittsburgh, written by Michael Chabon. It was his first novel, um, Pulitzer Prize winning author, maybe the I don't know greatest living American author um, presently, and and the coolest guy, like the nicest nicest person. And um, and so I wanted to do something re- that that could. Sh- you know, would show your range, would show my range. Right. Okay. And you're, you're absolutely fucked if, that, <laughs> if that's where you're starting from. Like, yeah. And, but I didn't know that at the time. And so I, I, I wrote Michael Chabon, a essentially a, um, a, a love letter, a love letter saying, yeah. I love this book. And yeah. you know, he's from, he lives in the Bay area. That's where I'm from. I'm like, look, I'd love to buy you breakfast and tell you how I will personally destroy your book. Your comedy is amazing. Yeah. And, you should, you should and, stick with that. And, maybe, maybe yeah. and, um, and so I had breakfast and I said, here's what I want to do. It's a pretty radical adaptation of your book, uh, amputation almost. And, and you know, if you, if this seems like a thing you'd want to do, then I'd love to try. And if you don't want to do this, I'm just a huge fan. And thank mm-hmm. you. And he said, no, I think it's great. Let's try it. And so I wrote a script for the mysteries of Pittsburgh. I you know, did it on spec essentially I made the blacklist. Um, and then we went and, and made it. And, um, and had uh, Nick Nolte, Mina Savari, John Foster, uh, Peter Sarsgaard in it, and um, Omid Abtahi, who's fantastic as well, and um, and and it wasn't good. And I I didn't. And, what wasn't good about it? Um, because if you made the blacklist, it just didn't translate on screen. Yeah, I didn't do a good enough job directing it, um, and and that's on me. Uh, I wasn't ready as a filmmaker mm-hmm. to approach it. I hadn't lived a, uh, enough of a life to approach it. Um, I mean, also it's pretty damn mature, man. Yeah. Most people don't have the eyes to see that or the courage to say that. Uh, thanks. Uh, I, I just think it's it's plainly obvious. Like I just it wasn't good enough, and 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 I wrote it and I directed it, mm. so that's that's on me, and I gotta wear it. And um, 
you know, there's a lot of choices that I made as a director that that put me in a position to not succeed that I learned from. And um and and I think that uh I just wasn't the right director for that mm-hmm. particular story. That it that it that as much as I loved it, I didn't live it. And so mm. I think it was really hard. And you know, super devastating to um to fail an author that you admire as much as I, I admire Michael Chabon. Um, just heartbreaking. Um, and then, you know, you work so hard and then, and then we brought it to Sundance, uh, back to Sundance and, um, and it played there and it was an absolute like shoulder shrug. Like nobody cared. Mm-hmm. Nobody, if anybody did had any opinion about it, it wasn't a good opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, this is my experience of it. And I do remember after. Did leaving, you try to resubmit Terry Crews? <laughs> <laughs> I should have. Uh, Guys, this is yeah. This is what I really yeah, wanted to yeah, play. <laughs> exactly. Wait, 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 wait. Um, uh, but I remember leaving Eccles Theater after it screened for the first time, and I was like, "Oh, golly!" And um, uh, and I was walking out, and there was somebody, one of the volunteers, like you know, scooping up snow. Uh, this is actually the next morning after it played, and I was coming in. I think now that I remember it, there's somebody scooping up snow. And she said, hey, did you? are you Rawson? I'm like, yeah. And she said, you did Mysteries of Pittsburgh? And I said, yeah, yeah, that was me. And she goes, I love that movie. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you. I, like made my whole, like I, I was ready to put a gun, in the my, one. gun in my mouth. So yeah. you were the one. You, you are, are the, the one. one. Okay. Uh, and, um, and so, so <clears throat> for me, like just eating shit uh, in a real way. So hmm. Dodgeball came out in 04, 04. Uh, I, you know, I started shooting, um, mysteries in 06, which is pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And then we, cause you had to write it and cast it and right. finance it and blah, blah, blah. And we shot it all in location in Pittsburgh for, uh, you know, almost nothing. Seven, yep. seven million or under. Mm-hmm. I think. And then it went to Sundance in top of 08 and died. Cause right? Sundance is what? Usually February, January, yeah. January February. and, and died. Uh, so I came back to Sundance as another, as a feature film, uh, uh mm-hmm. director and, um, and I, maybe I should have pulled mysteries, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, so eight, eight shit. And then the, uh, 2008 is right when the, um, strike was yep. about to happen, the writer's strike. And so I took a bunch of writing jobs, right? A bunch of writing jobs, um, to, as everyone was doing right before, uh, you know, it was pencils down. So mm-hmm. I took four different writing jobs stacked up on top and then started writing when the strike ended. And, and it took me two years to, to get out from under those writing obligations and not for me to direct, but just writing stuff for other right. people. Um, one was for me to direct that didn't quite happen, but at any rate, so then it's 2010 and a half. Mm-hmm. Right. And I haven't had a movie come out since Oh four, six and a half years. I mean, I had mysteries came out on like, three theaters for a half a successful hour. movie yeah right so 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 at that point i'm ice cold yeah absolutely ice cold right and these movies that i thought i was going to get made you know just never came together uh there's a i was hoping to make magnum pi at universal uh-huh. as a feature etc cetera, etc cetera. So anyways so i was just like in the wilderness basically right you know and I'm assuming there's a little bit of like, oh my gosh, was I just a one-hit wonder, or am I ever going to do this again? I feel that every time I make a movie, I'm right. like, is that it? But people in this uh, town love to see you succeed, but they really love to see you fail. I guess like so. it's, um, I guess makes so. them feel better. And then maybe, yeah. the, maybe you know, maybe it's all about you know comebacks or whatever. But but I was not even there's no comeback. It was just like, 
ice cold, bye-bye, yep. right? But the good news about being a writer-director is that you, you're never really in director's jail because you can always write right. something yes. for yourself, right? Yes. And hire yourself as the director. And, and, um, and you're only as good as your last picture and people forget the bad ones, remember the good ones, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, so then um, a New Line approached me uh, about We're the Millers. It was a script they'd had for a long time. It was a really good premise. The script was really funny, but not quite working. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they asked me if I wanted to do it. And it was an R-rated family road trip comedy. And to it's just, do it as a rewrite or to direct, direct it, to direct the whole it, thing? To okay. direct it, to write to direct it. And, um, and uh, I had gone into pitch on Burt Wonderstone, and didn't get the job, uh, but then they said, "Hey, what about We're the Millers?" And um, and uh, and I said, "Let me read it." And I thought, "Boy, uh, this is not my thing. Like, right. this is not like my kind of comedy is not super R-rated, r- raunchy. raunchy. Yeah, um, that's just not my thing. Like, I like it, but I don't. That's not how my heart works." And um, and so I was like, "Gosh, I don't know." And but I had to work. Like I needed a job right i yeah. needed to i needed to have a movie that comes out and so i said yes and i rewrote it and i rewrote it and i rewrote it and then we went and made it um and Sadekis was in it and he's fantastic and jennifer is fantastic when we got this guy will poulter who stole the show can i ask Roberts. one yeah. question about that yeah. when you do the blooper where you play the friends music yeah. was that your idea yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah. knew it yeah uh-huh. I knew yeah. It. Oh. yeah we were so excited about it and you know it was like jason and myself kind of came up with it and How about a little victory music shall yes, we please and we were like super excited to 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 pull it off with her um and uh and uh yeah that was so fun and then um, but you were still working within comedy you're just stretching now a little bit it's not like you're doing a drama versus comedy. It's Correct. comedy, but just a little more raunchy than you yeah, used to. Yeah, and it's not not my particular tempo, but, I, but I'm like, look, I need to work, and yeah. I need a hit, and yeah. I'm going to fashion a lethally effective comedy widget um, uh, here, and, uh, and, and that's what I did. And uh, I, I started, it was the first time I worked with this, uh, my editor, Mike Sale, who um, is you know, a genius, and he helped me so much through that process. And um, and dodgeball came out and got um, you know beaten up critically, but um, uh, but but opened uh, opened really nicely in, in the mid thirties. Uh, low, low. You said dodgeball. You oh, what did I say? We're, Miller. Miller. We're the Miller. Miller. Okay, okay, just so making sorry. sure. Sorry, uh, no problem. Uh, so many movies. <laughs> so many. Uh, so many. Uh, and so so Miller's came out and it did really well in the. I think it opened in the mid twenties and and then but then it, it continued every week to yeah. make 25 million dollars until Long it makes 270 worldwide which on a budget that was can not, i borrow five dollars yeah you can <laughs> um and, and so then it was just a, a big big hit yeah um uh, and i think the most profitable or second most profitable film of the year uh the most profitable original film blah 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 and um and and, and then and then right after that uh, new line's like what do you want to do next and i said i read this script uh, called Central Intelligence from uh, Ike Barinholtz and David Stassen, which I thought was really funny. Um, and uh, and it was at Universal. And then uh, Richard Brenner and Toby Emmerich went and got it from Universal for me, and I rewrote it. And um, and Do you uh, get credited on the rewrites, or is it always their original <clears throat> project? On, on Miller's, I, I didn't. And, and the reason I didn't is, is because the way the DGA, sorry, the WGA works is if you're the director on the project, mm-hmm. 
uh, you're technically an executive and the threshold for writing credit is much, much okay. higher. So you have to have, I think it's two thirds uh, of, of the work. It's, it's an impo almost impossible threshold for a director who comes on to, mm -hmm. to achieve. So I didn't get credit on We're the Millers. Um, you know, a lot of the really funny stuff was done by uh, Sean Anders and John Morris, who are great writers and directors uh, in, their, in their own right. Um, they did the daddy's home stuff yep, and, yep. and, uh, mm -hmm. and instant family, I think yep. they're, they're fabulous. They're doing a, 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 a musical right now with Will and, and Ryan Reynolds. Um, and so the, a lot of the super like iconic, funny stuff I think is, is from them and yeah. I m more shaped the, the characters and plotting a little bit. Um, and so they're, they're amazing. Um, and, and anyway, so, so, but on, on central, uh, I did get uh, screenplay credit, um, uh, uh, I think, and 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 deservedly so. Uh, Ike and David uh, got the story credit, and we shared screenplay credit, and I think that's probably right correct. Um, uh, and those guys are, I mean, two of the funniest guys in the world. So, uh, was that script already written for someone like The Rock in Kevin Hart? No, that's that was kind of the fun part. Is like originally the idea of Central Intelligence um, was uh, that the 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 main guy, uh, Robbie. Um, who ended up being played by Dwayne. The original idea was that it was written for essentially like Chris Farley or Will Ferrell. The idea was hmm. um, was like the, the the fat loser from high school becomes uh, a CIA assassin and comes back to his high school reunion. And he's basically fat Jason Bourne. Like that's the idea. <laughs> got right? it. Got it. Super funny idea. Yeah. 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 Well, I remember. I remember when we were so a little backstory. We played in the same flag football team league. Go Ninjas. I, I Go remember. Ninjas. I remember you were asking some of the guys. Were like. What do you guys think of Ed Helms? Yeah, as yeah. as the guy. Yeah, was that? Did yeah. I? Okay, yeah. that's right. Because it was Ed and Will uh, for Central at one point. Will Ferrell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Will Ferrell. Yep. And um, but then um, when when Dwayne called me up after he saw We're the Millers, he's like, I loved it. You know, uh, I want to do comedy. Uh, you know. By the way, what's that like? Getting a call from The Rock, being was, like, Hey, by the way, it was we should do movies together. It was the greatest. <laughs> it was the greatest. I mean, he's the first sort of celebrity to ever give me his cell phone number, you know, like, uh, mm -hmm. he's just, he's the coolest. Like, um, but he, and I'd seen him on Saturday Night Live and his Saturday Night Lives are the best. Right. Like, he is, oh no, he's he so funny. This time he's awesome. He's awesome, yeah. right? And so, and, but, but obviously like Dwayne's not fat. Um, and so, um, <laughs> he's not, no, not even a little oh, bit. Man. Believe me, I, I wish. <laughs> and, uh, but then it all made sense to me. Cause like, oh, like a light bulb, cartoon light bulb went off over my head and I was like, oh my God, this is so much better. Like, if you were scarred as a kid, yes. If you yeah. were, if you were heavy in high school and picked on in high school, right? What if, of course, you're going to transform yourself into the Rock, right? And isn't this such a delicious idea that here's this guy who looks like this on the outside, right? But on the inside, he's still that same, kid, still the yeah. sixteen right? year old, yeah. Kid. And uh, Robbie Weirdick, and and uh, he loves and, fanny packs and, and unicorns. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Big time unicorns, man. Yeah. So does and, Tony. That's yeah. so weird. And. Um, and so, and so for me, it was like, oh, it's great. And then, and so then I rewrote it for that and it just opened up in a way that yeah. it hadn't before. And then Dwayne, uh, was, we we're talking about who could play opposite him. And, and he's like, I think, you know, Kevin Hart would be great. And I've been a huge Kevin fan. And, um, and so we, DJ, DJ and I drove to Kevin's uh, office in the Valley and we sat down and I got to see those guys meet for the first time. They'd never met. They'd always liked each other, but never met. And. 
just seeing them next to each other. I was it's like, like I was, twins. I was like, this is going to be great. Yeah, it's, it's yeah exactly literally. Like yeah. This guy, and th- that's, I and mean, that's a whole like, other layer of like, funny. I was just like, this is, this is so good. And that Kevin Hart is so talented, and but he's always the funny guy, right? And so in a weird way for Central Intelligence, what was cool for me was like, we made Kevin the straight man and Dwayne the funny guy. Um, and so you took the funniest guy in the world and made him the straight man, and you, you know, and you took, you know, the, the, the biggest action star in the world and made him the right. funny guy. And I thought that was such an interesting kind of spin on it. Um, and what's so great about Kevin is like, you well, know, cause it's different. It's not the typical yeah, go to what yeah, you yeah, think. Yeah. Just a little bit of a spin on it. Right. And, and Kevin can shoot his own shot. Like he can score whenever he wants to. Um, mm. and, and so that I never had to worry about Kevin being funny cause Kevin's going to right. Kevin's going to Kevin, right? Like he's going to be great. Uh, but what's, what's interesting about Kevin is like in the editing room and, and Kevin and Ryan Reynolds are really similar in, in this way and that they're both incredibly funny people and they can each score whenever they can score the basketball whenever they want. Um, you know, but in the editing room, you have to be incredibly disciplined because the audience will laugh at almost anything they do. Mm. And if you're not careful, you'll put all of that shit in and it's, and you have a bad movie. Right. And worse, they look bad in, in the movie. They look like a, you can make them look like a clown if you mm-hmm. put it all in. And so you have to be really careful um, about what you use and what you don't use. Um, almost more important about what you don't use. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but they're which, both super talented. Which goes all the way back to your Dungeons and Dragons and storytelling and knowing. Yeah. Yeah. A great joke is a great joke, but if you string them fifty of them together, right, it might and, kill the whole movie. Uh, that's exactly right, Angela. That that you need to. It's about pace and rhythm, and and if you're just if it's just a bunch of dick jokes strung together, then it, it feels like a like a swingathon. Yeah, and and, and yeah. nothing nothing's gonna. Yeah. Th- and, and are you the one who gets the final say to be like, hey, I think it's funny, but yeah. it actually steals from the whole yeah. overall piece? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when, when you're doing a comedy you know, you're testing it a lot because a, a, a feature film comedy, like a studio sort of um, big tent, big, you know, big audience kind of picture, um, you're testing it in the same way that a stand-up tests, tests his mm. or her routine, right? You, you, you put it up and, and look, anybody who knows anything about comedy will tell you that they don't know anything about comedy, which is to say you don't know what's funny until you do it and the audience either laughs, laughs or don't. Yeah. Right. It's really simple, right? <laughs> but it's not easy. Immediate um, feedback. Exactly. So, so, um, George Lopez told me the story once, uh, I've only met him one time. Um, and he told me this story that I've kept with me, which is he, when he was coming up as a young comedian, um, he was a huge Richard Pryor fan as, as, as everybody was. And, um, and he got word that Richard Pryor was doing a set at the comedy store. And so he got there, uh, too late. Uh, and, and, uh, and and he didn't get to meet Richard Pryor, but out in front was Richard Pryor's yellow Rolls Royce, right? Yellow canary yellow Rolls Royce. And George Lopez walks up to the Rolls Royce and he peeks in the back, and there he sees Richard Pryor listening to a recording of his set and making notes. Right? And this is Richard Pryor, who's the biggest right. of all time. And that's and George Lopez said that's all he ever needed to know. Hmm. Like like when you're at that level and you're still grinding and still finding like okay this into that this doesn't work lose this lose this, and it's the same thing with with uh, a studio comedy where you're trying to um, make it work for everybody and 
and you, and I remember early working with Mike Sale on on Miller's, and there was some joke. I forget I even forget what it was. I'm like, ah, you know, it wasn't working, and I'm like, ah, that's gonna that's gonna suck when it doesn't work in the movie. And Mike spun around in his chair, and he goes, oh yeah, no, no, you don't have to worry about that. If it's if it doesn't work, it won't be in the movie. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, of course. We just cut that out. Yeah, we don't. So so part of that process is. It's discovery, your story, da, da 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 da. But you're also making sure that you're not you're not you're not swinging and missing. With right. Your jokes. There's a lot of prudence there, and yeah. just knowing what to leave out. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And that's the same thing that works with. Um, it's it, look. What I love about like I don't like horror films at all. Uh, I've never really watched them, but I want to make one so desperately uh, to to learn uh, about that genre. But um, but but what's interesting to me about uh comedy and horror is that they're essentially the same thing right that they're they're um they're different reactions to surprise but they're they function in the same way which is right. why horror and comedy are, are both communal experiences mm. right why why you want to watch a comedy in a theater why you want to watch a horror film in the theater right because you want to experience it with other other the other, audience other is apes, a other apes yeah. that are making noise. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so, but but in the same way that you're, I would imagine cutting a horror film is exactly the same as cutting a comedy, where like you're trying to, you're testing it to find out how you get people to react, mm -hmm. how you scare them, and how you don't. Um, but I do think that like when you look at some of the, our, you know, the great filmmakers of, of of our youth, like you look at James Cameron and you look at uh, Steven Spielberg, um, they came up. In, they came up uh, and they did horror films for, um, uh, um, oh my God, the, I'm blanking on the... Um, Stan Winston? That was no, 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 um, no. Uh, Jaws? No, of course Jaws, but um, <laughs> no, this this uh, old-timey uh, producer who did schlock B-movies. Oh, yeah. Roger Corman. Roger Corman. Yeah, Roger Corman. I was going to drive, no. drive home and be like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Roger, um, yeah, because he started in his uh, model shop, I believe. Oh, is that right? Yeah. If you, James Cameron That's what did. he said in his yeah. book. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. so they... so Futures. So when you're... When you're making horror films, right? Which is why, like, look, Guillermo del Toro started in horror, yep. right? Horror, like, horror right. directors, uh, Peter Jackson, yep. horror, right? Um, Blade, Blade 2. Is, yeah, is that right? That was Guillermo. Guillermo. Yeah. That was Guillermo? Um, right? I don't know. But, but, it's, but it's like, but when you start in horror, you learn really quickly about how to scare your audience, how to manipulate your audience, right? It's the feedback. Um, yeah, yeah, you're finding feedback, out what right? works and what doesn't. And, and that translates into drama really well uh really really well so going back to central intelligence when you're yeah. working with guys like Dwayne and kevin are they just open to doing whatever like because i mean Dwayne being like the big macho action guy now being like the yeah. reserved unicorn wearing yeah. like, he just think that that was funny as hell and like he thought it was funny I'm, as i'll hell. do whatever you want me to do well i mean i wouldn't quite go that far <coughs> but um but but yeah i mean he he this is the thing he signed up for and the thing we talked about and um, and he was game for it he loved that part of it he loved Dwayne likes to play characters. He likes to challenge himself in a way that he hasn't done before, you know. Um, uh, to, uh, and and yeah, both Kevin and Dwayne are all you know very very open. There there are very few actors that I've worked with. Uh, there are some uh, that that aren't um, open to 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 trying to experimenting to, you know. I, I guess my approach is always um, when I'm when I'm making a movie. There's, there's essentially two things. The first is. I make sure that I talk with the actor about the script and see if there's any questions or problems, just either large or small or anything mm -hmm. like that before we're on set, before the meter's running, right? So let's have all of, I want all of these conversations mm -hmm. and I'm happy to make adjustments and 
you know, as long as they, they work for me as well. Um, but, 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 you know, but like, let's talk it through. So like what I'm trying to get you, you're on board for, mm-hmm. um, you know, what I never want to have happen is like, we're on set and they go, yeah, I don't understand why I'm doing this or I would never blah. My character would never blah, blah, blah. I just, that's not, this is not that, that time has passed. We've train we've, has left the station. Yes, we've made yeah. these, right. <clears throat> but still, but I also leave room for, for discovery and for uh, trying things. And uh, I'm a very yes and director. There's, there's very, very, very few times where an actor has said, Hey, I think I want to do this where I'm like, uh, I don't think so because I've been wrong plenty of times. And, and there are times where like, I'll be in the editing room and I'll be like, I wish I had this, you know, or I should have like, like I remember when an actor one time said, I think I should hug him in the scene. Right. I should just hug him. And I was like, that is fucking what? Like, <laughs> great, let's do it, right? Like, I'm, in your head, you're yeah. like, that's never gonna. I'm like, that's never gonna make it. And then I'm in the editing room, and I'm like, oh my god, it's great. What it was, I think. And and actors are incredible. Like they they're in that character. They can feel it in a way that that even if you wrote it, you can't. Hmm. And so I've learned to trust that, and and to be open to all of that because it it's it's free to do another take. There's absolutely no reason not to. Right. I'm in charge of whether it ever sees the light of day. And I get all the credit at the end anyways. So I don't care. Like, let's go. Like, if you have an idea, like, let's get weird. Let's try something different. Mm. You know, I never, especially on comedies, like, I don't, I never need six takes of the same joke. Like, I don't need that. I need, I need six, six flavors. Yeah. yeah. Six flavors or, or two, two flavors and four different punchlines, you know, back to when you're shaping it. Like, sometimes the joke doesn't work because the punchline's no good, right? Sometimes the joke doesn't work because the premise hasn't been set properly. Sometimes the joke doesn't work because two jokes before didn't work, you know? Yeah. Um, But having those options are, you know, really, really, really important. So most of the actors that I've worked with have been um, lovely and, and, and game. Central Intelligence comes out, huge hit, funny as hell. Yep. So you kind of come out of your comfort zone a little bit after that because you do a action movie. Yeah. With, Dwayne yeah. as well again. Yeah, yeah. So obviously that relationship is strong. Yeah. Yep. But then you go to a, do an action movie. Yep. Are you like, what am I doing? Why am I doing an action movie? No, no. I, well, <laughs> was that something you always wanted to do? Something also, I, something I've always wanted to do. You're like and, it didn't and, work with the dramas. Yeah, yeah. Not so much. But this was like a big action movie that's you know very Die Hardy, and that's a movie right. I love. That you know I don't know if anybody else has ever seen Die Hard. Um, no, it's probably the best Christmas movie. I've, yeah. It's probably the best. <laughs> a few people have seen it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That that in the Christmas Story. Like, yeah. um, Shit, lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. No, never seen but, it. Well, what's great about Die Hard is like it's like two jokes away from being a straight comedy. Like, uh-huh. Right, it so is so yeah. funny, so funny. Did you know that uh, Shane Black actually had the title for Die Hard? Did you know that? No, I did so, not know. Yeah, that. it was it was called uh, the book. Uh, the it was based on a book. Um, I forget the title, like you know, any other day or something like that. And then Shane Black had. Um, had gave them t- the title Die Hard. He was just noodling. It was one of the titles that he was messing around mm-hmm. with. Huh. Um, and, but he obviously did Lethal Weapon, Kiss, Kiss, right, Kiss Bang right, Bang, right. and Long Kiss Goodnight. But he, so he, he had gave Predator too, didn't he? Yeah, he sure did. Um, so, so for me, I always wanted to do. I wanted to transition into away from comedy into action and action comedy and bigger palettes, right? And and um, and I had this idea while we were cutting Central Intelligence, and I pitched it to Dwayne, and he loved it, and we went off and did it and and um and I couldn't have done skyscraper had I not done central intelligence right right which is a straight action comedy yep. and miller's has a little action in it right dodgeball almost none right. in sports and so it was like a it was a, 
a, a, a progress, a, a, a processional approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then Skyscraper, straight action movie. And we had a bunch of jokes, um, but we couldn't get them to work. And, and, and I couldn't figure out why, but the reason, you know, almost no jokes worked in the movie is because Dwayne's family was trapped in a burning building. And like, if he stops to crack wise, it just lands flat. Yeah. But right. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, I didn't realize that until we put it in front of audiences. I'm like, why aren't these jokes working? They should work. And they just didn't work. So, um, so we finished skyscraper and, and as we're finishing that, I, I, uh, well, while we we're shooting skyscraper, I came up with red notice, um, and pitched away and red notice. That's a whole other story, but red notice is, I think represents the culmination of an almost 20 year career for me, um, in terms of learning, uh, how to make movies, how to tell stories. It's an action adventure comedy, which is, like I think my wheelhouse mm-hmm. and um, and it, yeah, and it's a culmination of not only just the, the, you know, 18, 20 years of, of doing this, of writing and learning and, and failing and learning and failing and learning and failing uh, and succeeding every so often. Um, but also 20 years of being in, in the business and right. learning how the machine works mm-hmm. and how to pull the levers and when to pull the levers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, and then for Red Notice to come out and and do what it's done, uh, it's staggering. Like the numbers are just sta- it's hard hard to fathom, but really really easy to enjoy. So this is the first movie you've done with a streaming service. Yeah, you did shot it during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It was Ugh. which yeah. I'm sure was miserable. It took like what two years to probably make. Yeah, we had to take six months off. It was terrible. So where was I going to go with this question? Um, the, the biggest budget, I'm, sh- I'm sure. How, how'd you end up getting? I mean, obviously, Dwayne was already attached. Yep. Do you just go out there like, who else do we think? Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot. Let's no, just get the three uh, biggest stars in the world. And <laughs> well, so I, I pitched Dwayne. He said yes. Um, and so you know, when the biggest movie star in the world, uh, according to the Body Mass Index, says that they <laughs> want, that he wants, to, wants to make a movie, um, then you better start writing. So I worked right. on the pitch, and when we went in, we went around town to pitch it. And, uh, you know, I had in my notebook, I had Gal, Gal Gadot. I never met her, uh, but a fan, like she was who I, I spoke as though I knew her in the the pitch, like this is who you should picture. Uh, and then, and so we, we, we went to 11 places and, um, we had 11 offers, which never happens. Like you go to 11 places, you get one offer usually or two, if you're lucky. Um, is that a combination of Dwayne being huge, you guys already having success, you, Knowing what you're doing. Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's all of those things. It has to do with um, skyscraper. The 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 trailer had just come out and people liked the trailer. Dwayne had uh, Jungle Crew or sorry Jumanji that had come out and mm-hmm. made a billion dollars. Um, and so the the timing was right. Got it. The pitch was um, very very good. It was the best pitch I've ever I've ever done. Um, you know, and and then um, yeah, so it was a combination of all the and then having a track record and having Dwayne right. Da 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 da. And so it became a, a knife fight uh, between um, a couple places. Uh, In, no, that's good uh, for you. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the you know it's like the when, I hope everybody gets a chance to be in a in a, what amounts to a bidding war, a competitive situation. Um, <clears throat> the only thing that there's only really I mean there's no downside, but it, you know the only the only thing that they don't tell you is that typically if you're in that sort of competitive situation, you've, you've have, you have a track record and you have experience with these people that are offering to, to buy your thing. So 
you have relationships and people you like and, and but you can only take one person to the prom and so you got to break some hearts uh, right. at the end and that part's never fun right because you like everybody usually and um and, and so and so we sold it to universal and um and then i got on a plane uh, and flew to london to pitch gal ah. um my producer Bo Flynn is like you got she's shooting wonder woman you got to go go pitch her so i flew <laughs> to london for 18 hours you know land you know meet gal picture the story and uh is she dressed as wonder woman she is not she's <laughs> but she's like she is because if you have a picture of that yeah. we'd love to see she's it. she's so this is oh, a part where you kick the door down she is by the way i don't know if you guys know her but she's the cool yeah we hang do, out with yeah, her all the time, all the time. <laughs> yeah I actually she's coming on next week i canceled uh, hanging out with her to oh, hang out with you uh, yeah well a bad choice um <laughs> she's no she's she's the coolest and uh she's obviously you know incredibly beautiful but she's like she's israeli and she's been beautiful since she was 14 so, you know, men have been lying to her her whole life. And mm. so her, you know, trying, you know, so her bullshit meter is off the charts. You cannot snow her. Mm -hmm. She is very direct as she does not fuck around. She's very funny and very cool. But um, of all the places, of all the people we pitched, she, she and Tom Rothman actually had the smartest questions and were the most insightful about huh. the pitch. So she's razor sharp. And so I pitched her. And then, and then she said, yes, like I, you know, I didn't, she didn't say yes in the, in the room, but the next day I heard she's, she's in. And then I wrote the script and, um, and as I was writing it, I wrote it with Ryan Reynolds sort of voice in my ear and I sent it to Ryan. I knew I've known him for, I don't know, 15 years, just in passing, not mm -hmm. really, you know, not buddy, buddy, but like, you know, we had lunch a few times and talked about a few things and, um, and so I sent him the script and I, you know, I wrote him a note saying, well, you know, I wrote you. Uh, uh, you know, I wrote you a great role, even though you're Canadian. I hope you like it. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, I'm like, and I said, look, you don't even have to call me. Like, if you like it and you're in, just send me a topless picture of B. Arthur, and I, and, and, I know, and I know you're in. And, um, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know what I was thinking. Was, anyway, so I sent it to him. No, it's for your wife. It's yeah, asking yeah. for a friend. <laughs> for asking friend. for a friend. And so it was a Friday. It got sent to him, but he was in London. I didn't know that, so he's like way ahead. And so I went, um, fell asleep, and then the next morning I woke up, turned my phone on. And the first thing that pops up is a topless picture of B. Arthur. And I run downstairs to my wife. I'm like, Sarah, 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 I'm coming in. out. Uh, we're, we're, yeah, we're breaking yeah, up. Yeah, we're breaking up. Uh, and so, and so Ryan said yes. And so I got my three first choices and, and then we went and, and made it. And, and, um, and, uh, yeah, but the streaming thing has been, um, wild. My first streaming film, I don't, I, I can't, I don't think I ever want to go back. Like, well, I was just going to ask you about that because people that are listening and watching. So what you just said, you sold it to Universal. So how does it get to Netflix? Oh yeah, like how does that like what's sure. the so that's that was tricky. Um, the whole process has been tricky. Uh, um, so I wrote two drafts uh, for Universal, and we got we had Ryan, and we had Gal, and we had DJ, and when we when you sell in a competitive situation, you can drive what are called terms or progress to production terms. So we had a deal with Universal that. If we, if our film budgeted out at a certain number, a uh, very reasonable number, um, that it was an automatic green light. Um, and, you know, which is kind of horseshit because they can always wiggle out of it. Right. But that's what the deal was. And, and so we got to this point. We had all three stars. And the budget was because of the above the line, because of getting all three stars, it was a, it was a little bit higher than contractual, right? Not a ton, but a little bit. And Universal said, look, we love you, but we don't 
we don't think this is a good bet for us at this number. It's an original idea. We're nervous about if we can make this back theatrically. You know, mm-hmm. We'd have to make 3x or 4x the the budget, and we just don't believe we can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, and it was a really hard conversation, and they were very classy about it, and we said we totally understand. Um, you know, we'd like to take it somewhere else. And Universal could have made it really hard for us to go anywhere else, but they were you know, we're all friends. We've all made movies together. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a long business and they were like, cool. Like if you can find a place, great. And Netflix was, uh, waiting in the weeds. Uh, and they just went, shoop. And they said, does Netflix have to pay universal for something? Uh, yeah. Netflix sort of pot committed and they said, you know, cause we wanted to make a movie at a certain price. Like we wanted to make a certain kind and size of movie Mm -hmm. and universal was not down for that. And Netflix was completely down. They're all in. Yeah. All in. Uh, on it. And yeah, so what happens is essentially Netflix reimburses Universal for their script yeah. fees and plus, you know, it's usually a 15% overhead, which is just a, an upcharge. Yeah. Uh, so we went to Universal. Oh, sorry, we went to Netflix and we went and made it. And um, this is also during global pandemic and yeah. all stuff so they might have had fair nerve i mean those nerves sound a little bit well this was before the pandemic oh this was before yeah, so we went and started making the movie and the pandemic hit about halfway through shooting red notice and part of why our budget because when we started we weren't you know um you know the most expensive netflix film or whatever right um but what happened was um when we shut down and we had to come back for covid we had to come back and and there's no 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 um processes or procedures to shoot a film of our scale under a pandemic there was no vaccine um and so the the cost to keeping everybody safe we mm-hmm. quarantined nba bubble style we had to rent out two hotels we had to rebuild everything probably tripled your budget uh i know it did not triple it but it added a, a shit ton uh, on <laughs> <Yes>. top <laughs> what's what's fascinating about netflix and and we can talk about streaming versus theatrical i've got a lot of opinions but um so so when it went from universal to, to netflix it, it was tough for me because like, you know, I grew up on theatrical and, and, you know, you want, every filmmaker wants to be number one at the box office. Right. You want a hundred percent of Rotten Tomatoes. You want to be nominated for all of you. Like you want all of it, all of it. Right. Every time, even yeah. when you don't deserve it. Yeah. And sometimes, especially when you don't deserve it. We just want to make a movie. Yeah. yeah. We, we just <laughs> want yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. That will happen. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, so, I sort of I sort of made a list when you know when the pro a pro and con list between Universal and Netflix when that when that happened, and and when the the pro list is like six things and the con list is is like two things and and those two things are just about your own ego, mm-hmm. um, then you know you're in good shape and and you know and I've, we all know ego is about about insecurity and and that's where it comes from and so so once you can kind of square yourself with that there's just there's, I mean, look, I knew before Red Notice came out that more people were going to see Red Notice, its opening weekend on Netflix, than will have seen all of my other films in mm-hmm. their entire theatrical run combined. That's how big, that's how big Netflix is. Well, you were telling me that there's something that they now judge it on in, in the first 30 days that's equal to what it would have been at the box office or something along those sure. lines. It's, it's a little bit tricky and it involves mass. So, so, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right. stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, Netflix, uh, uh, does their, their opening by 28 day markers. Right. Okay. Because, you know, some films can be on Netflix, um, 
you know, three years and others are only three months and how do you compare the two? So they compare them by saying, look, your, your release window is 28 days and we judge based on the number of view hours in those 28 days, right? It used to be subscribers who watched. Remember there was that thing where it's like, hey, if you watch two minutes, it counts. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't exist anymore. But, but what, what's interesting is um, the, the part that's tricky is, is that Netflix doesn't know how many people are watching they just can tell how many view hours are watching but they don't right. know you have a room like, of 30 people 30 people yeah. or, and most people don't watch movies by themselves most right. people watch with one other person minimum right and when you and when you talk about something like like red notice which is not a family film but is a film for families right like mm -hmm. you can eight to 80 left right politically men women doesn't matter it's a big tent movie that that number is is usually is more than two right but Netflix internally um, multiplies their subscribers who watch by 2.15, which is the average number of profiles mm -hmm. they have. Now, Red Notice is probably closer to three, maybe a little over, but call it two. Um, so you can't really, you can't really equate uh, a Netflix movie with a theatrical movie. You can't say that like that people would have gotten up off their ass and gone to the theater and bought a ticket. Right? That's bullshit. Right? Yeah. The way. You know, people went and saw Spider-Man in the theater because they want to see Spider-Man in the theater, right? And I get that. So you can't really equate box office, but what you can do, it's it's helpful to look at it the other way. So, for instance, take uh, take uh, the biggest film of all time, right? The biggest theatrical film of all time, Avengers Endgame, right? It's Titanic uh, or Avatar now because they re-released it, but let's just call it uh, Endgame, which has made $2.79 billion at the box office, right? Massive. Now, average ticket price is 10 bucks, call it, around the world, give or take, but for easy math. So that's 279 million people went and saw um, Avengers. Avengers, right? Now, uh, Red Notice had 122 million subscriber accounts watch its movie, watch, my, watch Red Notice in the first 28 days. And if you multiply that, Times the 2.15, 2. Yep. right? Um, and that's probably on the low side, right? Um, uh, you're at, uh, I think, two, 270-something million people, mm -hmm. uh, and it's probably more than that. Uh, I promise you, how much time do you have for math? Because I will. It's, it's going to take about fifteen. Yeah, that's minutes. usually where they're walking yeah. away when yeah. I'm talking. Still. Do you like long division? <laughs> um, uh, but 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 that's how big. Uh, um, Netflix is. Netflix is. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's where it's moving, you know. And and I think that that you know people under twenty five like they don't make any d distinction between watching on a flat screen or watching in the theater. It's right. it's all or on the phone. It's all to them content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, which is the grossest thing of all time. Yeah. To say. You you want to see years on the theater with the Dolby surround sound? Of course you do. Absolutely. Now does Netflix just say, "Listen, we got the biggest director ever. Let's just do twenty more movies with them." Do they just uh, sign you up? Uh, uh, they're very happy. Um, <laughs> we're very happy with results, and so am I. And um, yeah, and we're we're talking about. Uh, I've got a short film about a puppy. I was hoping <laughs> you could direct it, maybe in, could Pit you, in yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah, could you please? <laughs> would you guys put Mysteries of Pittsburgh on your platform? No, no, we will not. Um, uh, so so um, no, but there's a, a lot of conversation about uh, about continuing the Red Notice 
uh, franchise kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. Nice. And um, I poked around on a little bit of IMDb. Are you scheduled, slated, discussing, rumored to be doing Will the, We're the Millers too? No. Uh, that we we had a uh, we there was a moment there, a window. We had a great script written by Adam Ezekiel, um, uh, which is basically like um, a very Miller's Christmas, which I was really excited about. And um, and we just couldn't get everybody lined up. And um, and I think those things like like it, it was just a scheduling thing. And and once you miss your window, mm-hmm. I think you miss your window yeah. on those things. Like if we did it right away, I think it'd be great. But but the fact that we, it's you know, I, I think everybody's moved on. Got yeah. it. I know you mentioned a couple stories ago that you wanted to do Magnum PI. Mm-hmm. You missed out on that. Are there, were there any other films that you were slated to do that you kind of just timing didn't happen or were you offered like a big movie and said no I don't have I'm working on this no I've, I've not missed it in, in that in that regard um Magnum PI it wasn't like they were going to make it and I missed out but they decided not to make it got it and um, it's a TV show now uh yeah again <laughs> Uh, again, again for again. the first time um uh i wrote a draft of the umbrella academy um wow. as a feature that i was really proud of that mm-hmm. i wanted to direct and uh and then that didn't happen but they ended up making a tv show um but these things you know come around the, the next thing i'm working on is um is uh is the division which is based on a tom clancy video yep. game a ubisoft game that i love and play and it starts jessica chastain and jake gyllenhaal they're producing never heard gamer. of never heard of them big like, gamer, big gamer. Big gamer and, and Jake and Jessica are awesome. This guy, you're way cool. Uh, I, I don't understand. know about I don't know about it. Tony's awesome. Uh, <laughs> How thanks, buddy. To say that. By the way, we're gonna repeat that line. <laughs> yeah. He's just gonna be in his car listening yeah. to it over and over yeah, and over. That's the truth, man. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. So I, I hope that's my next movie. Um, you know, I'm. I'm, uh, I'm uh, is that a, is that a Netflix thing? Is that a studio thing? No. Uh, well, I mean, yes, it's a Netflix thing. Oh, okay. Um, uh, uh, they they have it, and um, and I'm rewriting uh, the the draft right now. Nice. Um, but there's, you know, what's going to be kind of cool is I think I'm going to spend a lot, a large part of 22 writing, um, awesome. you know, hopefully I go get to make the division, but it's weird. Like you don't, this job is so strange. You don't get to green light your own stuff. You know, you don't mm. know, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm presently unemployed. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> you're doing pretty good for unemployed. Yeah. Thank, I'm going to go to the bread line later. <laughs> you know, congratulations. Your movie's a hit. You're fired. Like that's kind of, yeah. That's good luck with it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I can get you on unemployment. Don't worry about it. I, I, thank you. Um, we well, saw, well, didn't we read that you were up, were you up for Ant-Man and then, mm. or someone backed out when you were going to be the next director in line. Didn't happen. Yeah. Um, would yeah. you ever do a Marvel? Do you want to do a Marvel movie? Is that like a, Oh, yeah, you do desperately. Like I, um, um, yeah, well, Ant-Man was, was a little funky. Um, uh, Edgar Wright was going to do it. I was, t- I talked to them a little bit about doing the first one, um, was n- not really for me. And then the second one, uh, Edgar left the project and they were, you know, all like about to direct, you know, about to make it. Yeah. And so they had to find, um, uh, oh, sorry. I'm talking about the first one. The first one was, uh, I got them confused. The first one. Edgar uh, left the project and they were already prepped and they're like, we got to, you know, find somebody. And, um, and it was not, not for me. Um, and they, uh, I think they, they picked Peyton Reed who's, he, he did a great job. Yeah. I thought. And uh, no, but the, the one Marvel movie I want to do, uh, which I don't think they're going to do um, uh, my dream Marvel uh, project would be uh, Hulk versus Wolverine. That's uh, what I'd want to do, Ooh. especially the Lindelof uh, run, which I thought was really good. Awesome. I mean, it's possible. I Kevin Feige can do anything he wants. He, yeah. 
I just happen to have that script also. Oh, you so, do? Yeah. Okay, oh, great. Yeah. This is Wolverine. I'll give yeah. it to you later. Don't Thank worry you. About it. Thank you very much. Um, it's in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I would. We we sort of like end the sequence with uh, any interview we do with yeah. a theoretical question. Unless sure. you have anything else you wanted to fire out. No, I think this is uh, this has been awesome, buddy. Thanks. Oh, I really, appreciate really it. Appreciate it. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, well, so our blab. The the, the, the this is purely theoretical, but um, if you hadn't have made it at directing or yep. some sort of filmmaking, yep. what Given your talent, your time, your passion, what you already like to do naturally, is there something else you could see yourself doing, or is this it? No, I mean, if I didn't do this, like, well, I always wanted to uh, play quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, but I don't have that ability. So, um, I mean, you can make a movie about <laughs> yourself doing that. I guess. Maybe I will. <laughs> um, no, I think I would have, I think I, I would want to get involved in, um, in politics. Okay. Um, okay. You know, I, I think. Uh, as gross as that sounds, like trying to um, now we need good people in make it, make a difference. Yeah, um, in in that way, I just think there's so much, uh, yeah, just so much wrong with it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think I'd want to get involved in uh, w- maybe local politics, or I don't even know if I would do state statewide stuff or federal stuff. Wait, I think you have the right tools between helping lead a team, achieving a goal, yeah. communicating across multiple platforms. I mean that 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 takes a special set of skills to be able to do that at a high level. Uh, yeah, I think I think there is there there is some overlap between uh, directing, leading a project that big, right. you know, and and um, and yeah, leading any group, yeah. But uh, I you know, I, I I don't I wouldn't say I like politics, but um, I'm interested in them. So okay. Ronald Reagan, yeah, <laughs> there you go, You're buddy. Fine. The God, actor, yeah, the what actor. A, what a what a what a uh, president actor. of the United States. What a terrible job. That's just tough. Oh. Tough. Well, um, Rawson, thank you so much yeah, for man. coming you, here Angela. today so and just kind of telling us, like, it's so nice to peek behind the curtain and hear this stuff. I, I can't read any of that insight yeah. really on a blog or an article or get that in five minutes in co- passing in conversation. And yeah. again, everyone sees your wins. Yeah. But, I mean, you failed a so lot. many all, more times. Time. I mean, dodgeball almost never got made. Yes. all of this Which is, is I mean... Well, hopefully of, that yeah. will give some encouragement to people to know, hey, it's really hard, and you're going to hear a lot of no's, and you're going to fail, and you could still be successful. At what That's you right. Do. Yeah. So, Thank you guys cool, for man. the time. Thanks, All right, brother. Um, uh, we're going to sign off here finally. Um, to everyone who is watching us out there, uh, YouTube. Um, Spotify, Spotify, listening, Spotify, iTunes, listening, iTunes, Google Play. Google Play. Hopefully the, someday on Netflix, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we appreciate you. Uh, this is season two starting out with um, with a big personality, uh, incredible resume, great storytelling. We're going to have a good lineup this uh, season two of yeah. some people. We won't say any names yet, but uh, we, we continue to raise the bar. Appreciate you uh, uh, watching, listening. Um, hit that like, subscribe button. Um, tell your friends about it. Share it. Uh, keeps us on the air and uh, doing what we do. Uh, Ross, and thank you again. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate Thanks, you. Tony. Appreciate All it. Right, man. Thanks, guys.